What up, peeps? Welcome into Unscripted and Unprepared, brought to you by Real Screen Magazine. I'm Jimmy Fox, and this episode is my sit-down with Jane Lipsitz and Dan Cutforth of Alfred Street Industries, formerly of the Magical Elves. This was a live interview that we did as the keynote, actually, last second. Uh, we were called in to do the keynote at this past Real Screen in New Orleans. So this is in front of a packed house on that Monday there at the conference. We went through all the greatest hits. Project Runway, Top Chef, Cold Justice. I mean, the list goes on and on. Nailed it. You forget how many great shows they've made. And they've made a handful of amazing documentaries, including those with Justin Bieber and others, Katy Perry. The list goes on and on. was awesome to sit down with both of them. I've respected the two of them for a long time. They really are Mount Rushmore individuals in our business. And now they are officially Hall of Famers. They were inducted into the Real Screen Hall of Fame just this past January. So this is my sit-down with Jane and Dan. I hope you enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. Make some noise just so the listeners know you're here. Good morning. See a lot of hungover faces in the audience. Good stuff. It's good stuff, guys. Uh, guys... This is exciting for me just because I've known you for years, but want to get you on the podcast for a while. And Hall of Famers now. Hall of Famers. Uh, How does that sound to you? Um, yeah, kind of surprising. Um, <laughs> is it? It's great. No, it's, Wait, it's, it's, it's how, cool. It's how very it's surprising very... to you. You guys have accomplished so much. I mean, I'm, we're going to go through all the greatest hits today. Project Runway, Top Chef. Cold Justice. I mean, the list goes on and on. Nailed it, Sugar Rush, and so many new shows coming up with your new company. But even now, Dan, after all that, you guys are still surprised that you'd be labeled Hall of Famers? Does it never really hit? No, no I don't think no, so. I don't think so. I mean, obviously, we're very honored to be, you know, inducted into the Hall of Fame. I'm not sure where it is, the Hall of Fame. Of <laughs> I think there really should, there I should be. Maybe a, we can go visit it. <laughs> there should be a physical Hall of Fame. There should we, be. We all hope like, yeah. the statues. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's a reasonable um, expectation. But no, I mean, obviously, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, Dan, I mean, we were surprised when we got the call. It was very exciting, I think, also because we were sort of in a moment of transition as well. Mm. So, um, but it seems like, you know, the timing of it is feels like sort of perfect as we embark on a new adventure so um you know we're 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 honored to be well honored in that way in in sports i'm a big sports fan and every year it comes time to start nominating and submitting people for various hall of fames and the phrase that's always used on sports talk radio is can you tell the history of that sport without mentioning that person and that's really the true definition of a Hall of Famer. Uh -huh. And when discussing reality television, unscripted television, you cannot talk about the history of this medium without mentioning the two of you. So congratulations mm -hmm. to both of you Thank guys. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I've known you for years, but even I don't know the story of how you guys first met. And I'm sure it's a story you've told many times, but please, what was the day you guys first came together and met? Um, well, I was a freelance producer, and I'd heard, I had a lot of what I thought were great ideas for VH1, where Jane was uh, an executive, and I'd heard about, I, I guess we had mutual friends or something like that, but had never met, and, I'd, and I'd, I kind of badgered my agents to get me a meeting, which eventually they did, and then when we actually met, we sort of hit it off. We kind of immediately got on really well, um, 
that did not translate into a series commission for me, but it, <laughs> but um, actually quite the opposite. <laughs> but um, yeah, but that's that's how we met. Um, I'm pretty sure the meeting probably got moved four times if I know Jane. And, <laughs> but but yeah, that was the first time we met. How soon after that did you guys decide to start a company together? Um, well, af- after we met, um, even though, like Dan said, none of the ideas were. <laughs> we're, we're, we're worth doing. They, they were good. They were good <laughs> ideas, just not suitable yeah. for VH1's um, needs. At the time. We, um, I actually kept. Um, I wanted to. I really wanted to work with him, you know. So, um, uh, because I don't know, we just like hit it off in the meeting, and so um, I actually then started um, asking if he could do. Um, you know, I tried to get him actually to come in as a producer. That's what happened, right? And yeah. the Bands on the Run was after that? Yeah, we, we, yeah. Do, um, we did a late-night pilot, yeah. a late-night talk pilot, because that was really more the world that I came from was sort of talk and okay. um, those kinds of things. And, um, so, and while we were doing the pilot, um, while we were doing the pilot, we met for breakfast somewhere um, to talk about the creative, and Survivor was about to come out. Um, and Jane asked if, if I knew anything about it. And I'd actually worked on the development of Survivor because I worked for Planet 24, which is the, the company that kind of came up with the idea. And, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so, so I, had been, I had worked on it in the early days, the days when it didn't sell anywhere. Um, but we developed it, um, took it everywhere. No one bought it. And then a Swedish company bought the idea and made it. Anyway, this is a bit of an aside. No, but um, it's, it's interesting you mentioned Survivor because I was going to use that as context for the audience that, you know, Magical Elves is founded in 2001, right? And Survivor premieres in 2000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you guys form the company just as the business is really ready to take off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what, and so when he was talking about that, I said, was, is there any version of Survivor we could do with bands? And then he came back with this idea called Bands on the Run. And um, at the time, Jeff Gaspin and Lauren Zelaznik were my bosses, and I was flying to New York, and they, I, they, we pitched it, and and, uh, and then we were making the pilot like within weeks, um, basically. Yeah, I mean, all the like, work that goes into, into pitching these days, I literally had like two paragraphs <laughs> yes. on a piece of paper mm-hmm. that yes. I typed up and handed to Jane. She took it to New York, and we got a pilot off yeah. the back of it, and then we uh, ended yeah. up making the show. So and that, but that wasn't as a company. We weren't, you know, Jane was still an executive at VH1. Okay. Yeah. Um, they basically sent her out on the road uh, for the entire thing. In fact, she was there more than I was, I think. Because <laughs> yeah. um, they basically didn't trust me at all running that show, <laughs> quite rightly. Um, and, uh, yeah, miraculously we made it back. Although some of the, there's one episode that can never air again because we broke the law. And various other things happened on that show that, you know... It was not a very professional outfit in those days. <laughs> this is Bands on the Run? Yeah, Bands on yes, the Run. Yes, yeah. What was the concept of Bands on the Run? Um, it was four bands um, would arrive in a town. They, didn't, they, we, they wouldn't know where they were going. And then they had three days um, to get people to come and see their show. And so oh, that's on cool. one side, you know, there was this very diligent group called Soulcracker. It was very hardworking and would do flyers and meet people. And then on the other side was this band Flickerstick who would basically get drunk and sleep with girls. And that was their strategy. They won, appropriately. They won. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, um, but, you know, it was interesting because when we went to do the pilot, um, literally the first day we got there, one of the band members' fathers passed away. And all of a sudden, you know, I think we truly understood what producing, you know, reality was because, you know, you just... You know, you go off to do this sort of lighthearted um, 
competition show with bands, and then you know all of a sudden you're faced with the you know the reality of life, and it was it was really challenging. It was a real like moral challenge, like how much do we um, cover it, and you know their their grief and their bonding and all this stuff. So it was a really interesting. I think it just. You know, James was like, go for it, get it all, right. get all of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you, were so, you were kindly being respectful. In the, in the other James like, no, oh, yeah. get that camera back uh, in yeah. <laughs> So, but we learned a lot. Like, it was a real, you know, I think it was a formative moment for both of us. Well, formative also in just in terms of the partnership, yeah. right? Because you guys mm -hmm. probably learned how to complement each other. Yeah. And that's something I'm always fascinated by with, with partners, you know, because when you go out and pitch or when ideas are coming in or when it's time to divide and conquer, when you've got multiple productions, go, productions going on, how did you guys decide early to divvy up the duties or did you early on? Who, who does what? Um, we, did, we did. One of the first uh, real productions that we did, um, I feel like one of the first productions we ever, that we did at, as Magical Elves was Project Greenlight. Mm. And we, um, we had to figure out a way to sort of kind of find lanes for ourselves back then. Like now, now I think we just, we both do whatever needs to be done. We don't really have like something like that Jane specializes in something that I specialize in. Back then, um, Jane w was sort of over the field and I was over post on mm. Greenlight. So we've sometimes divided things up like that, but we tend to um, work best when we're both bringing something to it, if you know what I mean. And so, I think it's, I mean, we, you know, in the beginning we did work a lot just on you know, particularly together, and we may, I mean, we make, we still make a lot of our decisions together. They, one of the other names that they were, uh, that we were considering was something called Twin Talk, because that's what the editors, the editors said, like, we would finish each other's sentences, <laughs> and they had no idea what we were talking about, but we knew completely what <laughs> the, the other twin was. language? Yeah, yeah, yeah so. How, so, how uh, did you decide Magical Elves? Because the branding of a company, the name of the company is so important early on. Whose idea was it? I don't know, it was, um, it, it, like most things in our career, it was accidental. Um, we we were working on um, on the runner for ABC. That was the first actual production that we did. And um, our accountant said, you have to come up with three names for your company that no one else will have. Um, and then we'll just change it later. But just come up with oh, three it names. One, it was one of those like for the purposes of yeah, like, papering yeah, we'll the deal? Exactly. So we could actually get paid. We had to come up with three names. and okay. So we had three joke names, and one of them was Magical Elves, which was... When we were out doing bands on the run, we had no, um, we had so few producers and so little backup, and it was always me and Jane trying to figure out the challenges the night before, sometimes the night of. Um, but we used to get to a point where we were so exhausted that you just want to kind of turn in for the night, mm. and then one of us would have to tell the other, "Well, who do you think is going to get this done? Magical elves." And um, so it was, just, and somehow it always did get done. So it felt kind of like there were magical elves helping us sort of get things done. But it was also kind of brilliant, even though it wasn't necessarily intentional, that you guys became the elves. I know. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah we didn't really expect that. No. And, it, and, it's, and it's, weir it's weird now. It's weird now not to be able just to refer to you two as the elves anymore, when, as the shorthand for, for yeah. Dan and Jane. Now it's the elves. <laughs> it's the elves? Elves. Yeah. So, Alf. so Alfred, <laughs> Alfred Street... Alfred Street is where the house was when you guys yes. first started the company? Yeah. And that was in West Hollywood, correct? Mm -hmm. Did you guys just get a house to run the company through? Or were you <laughs> no, no, no. It was one of you living there at the time. I was living there. Okay. I was living there and ironically have just moved back. Um, so, uh, but it's, yeah, it, I was living there and there's like a, it, it started, it was, there was a guest house in the back and we just started working out of there. And, um, 
and so um, and just sort of pi started piling more and more people in there, and so that's where it started. This is also the home of legendary Christmas parties, yes. ho holiday parties, correct? Yeah. yeah. Elfest. Elfest. Elf yeah. This started immediately from the formation of the company? Yes. Yeah. Are they still going? Uh, yeah. 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 They, yep. I guess my invite just got lost. <laughs> years, so no, no, big, no big deal. Um, yeah, and that's still good. I actually know a married couple that work in the industry that like became a couple at one of these parties. So the legacy well, of that party live on. Yeah. There's a few of yeah. those. There are a few. There were definitely a few couples. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, it started, um, it started in my backyard with um, where Elliot Goldberg was strumming the guitar, singing Neil Young. And it grew from yeah. there. So, um, <laughs> Does not surprise me. Yeah. Does not surprise me for anybody that knows Elliot. So mm -hmm. you mentioned The Runner. You mm -hmm. mentioned Project Greenlight. Was it those relationships that brought you into Project Runway early on, the formation yeah. of that? Yes? Because yes. That's, that's Ben and Matt, right? Yeah. Didn't Ben and yeah. Matt do The Runner? They did. Yes. Right? Early yeah. on? Yeah. And then they created Project Greenlight? They, they were already doing Project Green. Yeah, they had done one season for HBO. Okay. And then um, when we did The Runner, um, that, it was right after 9-11 that it's, we were still doing the, we were shooting the pilot right after 9-11. It just mm. became very clear um, that that was not a good idea at that mm. point because, you know, it was, we had people running through the streets with this big thing that looked like a gun, you know, which Disney made. But So then we painted it red and yellow, but that still did, obviously was not a good idea. Right. And, um, and then it was just, you, I mean, and, and reality basically stopped at that point. You know, I mm. think, right, I, a lot of shows were, and so, um, but our experience with them, uh, <clears throat> we, we actually thought we wouldn't hear from them again, but then they called us to do Project Greenlight. And then with Project Greenlight, that's where the connection with Miramax. Yeah, and then was. we were working with yeah. Miramax, and then they were doing. Then they were. Then they came to us while we were um, in the middle of Greenlight and said they wanted to do a show with models. Not surprisingly, and, um, and but they were going to add designers. <laughs> so um, I think that um, you know. Uh, but uh, I think so. Then we got. It was. It was really exciting because then we got to start working with. Heidi and um, and we went to New York and started met, met with a bunch of design students and so uh, that's it took off from there. Funny, um, Jeff Gaspin was obviously over Bravo at that time and he told us that Harvey uh, when they had a meeting with Harvey about it, Harvey said something like, um, "And I'm going to get the uh, the green light guys to come in and do this." And Jeff goes, um, "Oh yeah, Dan and Jane. No, I I know them." And and Harvey goes, "Yeah, that's them." He had no idea who we were, what our names were. We were just the green light guys. But, yeah, that, they brought us in to do it, thankfully. Show premieres December 1st, 2004. Uh, when did it become apparent to you guys that this was a massive hit? Like, what was the moment that you realized, like, you guys had carved out a spot in, like, pop culture history with the show? Well, not immediately, that's for mm -hmm. sure. Um, I mean, there was always a question, will people actually sit around and watch people sew? That was definitely <laughs> going to be, that was definitely a big question. So it aired, it aired a couple times, it did not do well, it was not doing, doing well at all. And then um, they decided to run a marathon they, over the Christmas, over mm. holidays. Um, and then we came back after the holidays and it had just, all of a sudden it was, it was taking off. Um, so it was really like an interesting, it was born out of like a, programming strategy that, you know, that actually worked on, you know, really well for that. And I think when we were actually making the show, it became apparent that something was happening, you know, when, mm. when you have your kind of 
kind of grizzled shooters who were wearing black cargo shorts, kind of talking about dresses yes. being cut on the bias and stuff like that. They yes. were really kind of getting into it <laughs> and, and really enjoying who, it. And they care yeah. who gets eliminated, yeah. They, yeah, they really cared. And, and so it sort of felt like something was happening. But the, I think it was really season two when it kind of took off a bit more. And then we were sort of on the cover of Entertainment Weekly and things like that. And that's when it felt like, wow, now some, something's really happening. First five seasons air on Bravo. Mm -hmm. In July of 2006, Harvey Weinstein announces that he's pulling the series from Bravo uh, and has struck a five-year deal with Lifetime. This triggers a lawsuit between uh, NBC Universal and the Weinsteins saying that they didn't give Bravo the chance to match the Lifetime offer. This would play out uh, for a while. But do you guys remember where you were when you heard that Harvey was just inexplicably taking the show away from Bravo and you're going to another network? I mean, we, it, you know, it was definitely surprising. Yeah. We, we had actually had a meeting with him to discuss it. It was, we thought it was going to NBC, actually, which we were really excited about because we felt like the show was at a point where, you know, we wanted it to grow and take it to, you know, and um, so when we heard it was going to Lifetime, you know, we had very strong um, relationships with Universal and so it just felt like, um, you know, we should stay there and, and, and the show would go without us. Because you had a strong relationship because you had, in that time, already gotten Top Chef yeah. up and running with Bravo. Mm -hmm. So the relationship was very strong. And with NBC, you had done Last Comic Standing as well. Yeah. And you would eventually have an NBC Universal deal that would yeah. come shortly after this yeah. time. But this all has a happy ending because cut to May 2018, Lantern Capital Partners, who acquired the Weinstein assets, announces that they are bringing Project Runway back to Bravo. And the, you guys get another call out of the blue. Describe that for me. Um, I, I think I was in Kentucky. Um, we were doing Top Chef there. And I got a call saying that the, um, it had just been announced by Bravo. Um, it, was, it was a real bolt from the blue. It was a, you know, a big surprise. We had heard that it wasn't going to be coming back to Lifetime. Um, and, but we didn't know what, you know, but we actually thought that was just going to be the end of the show. Right. We didn't know that it was out being, even, didn't, I didn't even know it was out being pitched. No, I didn't either. Um, but yeah, so we got, we got a call. It was very exciting. I mean, we, we didn't just get handed the show. We had to go in and pitch our vision for what we would want to do with it. Um, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, but, you know, if you think about it, there was, you know, it was a I'm big... sorry. No, hold on a second. Yeah. I'm sorry. Right? I'm not alone in this, right? Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Because just for clarity, like, you know, uh, another production company had ran the Lifetime version because you guys decided the Lifetime version that wasn't a movie you guys wanted to make. So you guys get a phone call out of the blue. Bravo's coming back. And you guys get a phone call. And the phone call isn't, hey, guys, we'd like you. We'd like, we want to get the band back together. The call is, could you come in and interview for this show? called Project Runway that you may be familiar with. That was the phone call? After having done Top I'm Chef... I'm going to let you for, answer that, because you opened done, this uh, <laughs> After having done... Well, okay. So here's the... As you mentioned, another, uh, really, you know, a, another great company run by yes. a very good friend of ours uh, had been doing the show successfully for a number of years at Lifetime. And I think that... Um, I think the powers that be at Bravo felt like they had to you know, run a f kind of fair process to decide, you yeah. know, what, what should happen with the show. And that's, that's the truth of it. Yeah. And actually, it was, it, it was actually a good exercise for us. And really what we mm. kind of 
it, it, it forced us immediately to kind of circle the wagons creatively and figure out what would we want to do with the show. Mm. Um, and very much, you know, what we kind of came up with for that meeting is very much the, you know, what it ended up looking like down to the set and everything else. Wow. Okay, so I, I want to go through all the greatest hits because I only have so much time with you guys. It's hard, it's hard to prep for an interview with you guys, by the way, because you guys have literally too many greatest hits. So I'm sorry if there's a lot of, like, Sugar Rush fans out there. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do 20 looks, minutes looks on Sugar like Rush. Sugar I'm sorry. Rush crowd. We're not going to be able to get to it. I'm sure there's a lot of great Braxton stories as well. <laughs> not going to be the panel for that. Maybe at the Hall of Fame uh, reception. Yeah. Uh, but Top Chef premieres March 8th, 2006. Uh, from what I could find online doing research, 17 seasons, 246 episodes. What were the pitch materials for yeah. Top Chef? What was the development for that? How did you walk in the idea? And what, what was actually in the room when that idea was put in front of the network? They actually called us and said, can you do uh, you know, a culinary competition? Because Runway obviously was doing yeah. quite well for them at that point and said, can you do something you know, in the culinary world in a competition? So then we met with a bunch of young... That's been our process is to meet, you know, to make, to make the most authentic shows. We, we meet with the people in that world to see what would be relevant for them or what was possible or, mm. you know, so um, we met with a bunch of young chefs and, and then I don't remember... Then we, we, then we had to... Um, we had to just put together some pitch materials yeah. and we decided, you know, that there should be two challenges because cooking doesn't take as long as sewing clothes and we... So we, you know, thought... Well, how do you differentiate the challenges? So we thought, oh, we'll do a, we'll do a, a quick, you know, a quick challenge and a longer challenge, and it's sort of, you know, it, it, it's fairly straightforward. Really, it was more about coming up with the ideas for challenges and what our point of view would be on that. Um, and as Jane said, we met with some chefs who kind of told us why they loved doing what they did, told us a bit about that world, um, the, the world that chefs inhabit, which isn't really like the world that we inhabit, mm. if you know what I mean, mm -hmm. um, and. So we just started designing challenges that would be the kinds of things that would really test chefs, I guess. And it, it sounds it's pretty straightforward. Um, did, the, did the actual term quick fire challenge come from those conversations with actual Yeah, that chefs? was... That, oh, no, no, it didn't. Okay. Um, it, it came about because that's, you know... Um, the, I don't really remember exactly who suggested it, but it was... You know, lots of game shows have quick fire rounds, and, and it just kind of, and it sounded right. So we I just mean, called it I mean, it's a that. term that I use all the time, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people use when developing uh, a competition format these days. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I wasn't sure if I was going to ask about it. Yeah, well, the it's team, such a nerdy the team question. kept calling them mini challenges, and I right. had to tell them to stop. I said, like, if you keep calling them mini challenges, That's everyone will be. call them mini challenges, right. and it won't. So, and it, even though it sounded lame, I said, you have to call it, always refer to it as a quick fire, and they, and then it, I guess it did kind of. Who between you two is the big music person? Because music is another genre that you guys have. I mean, you guys have crossed so many different genres from travel to comedy, fashion, food. And with music, you guys have done a series of feature documentaries that you guys have directed yourselves. Which, and I'm looking at the credits and everything. I'm like, somebody must be the, the, the music diehard between the two of you. I think it's both of us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually came up in the music. You know, my first job was an agent's assistant at, a, in the, at ICM in the mm -hmm. music division and, um, and then working at VH1, you know, so I was in the music space and then I was at a record company and then at, at VH1. So, I mean, I already, you know, that was the track I had come up, I sort of got into TV through music, but um, I mean, Dan's a, you know, 
a huge music fan as well. I, that's one of our, I think that was one of the things that bonded us mm. in terms of our interests and how, and Bands on the Run obviously was the first show that we did that was in the music world. So, um, Jen so, actually managed the band in her, her early days. Really? Yes. You managed bands in the early days? I did. I managed one band. They were called Gimme the Gun. They were called Gimme the Gun? Yeah, probably not a good name these days, but it was, for some reason it was okay at the time. Um, yes, I, went, I spent many uh, hours in a van going to the Jersey Shore. Very okay. exciting. Make, <laughs> nothing more exciting. This makes sense, though. I mean, if you look at Justin Bieber, Never Say Never, uh, was that the first... Was that the first feature doc that got in theaters and got yeah. massive distribution? Well, we, we, we did do that one, yeah. Air Guitar right. Nation. Oh, yeah, we did Air Guitar Nation first. You did the what? Air Guitar Nation, a little scene okay. cult documentary. Oh, course, sure, of course. Um, and um, that yeah. actually did get theatrical distribution, although okay. no one came to it. Um, <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, Bieber was the first. Um, yeah, we produced that, and Don, John Chu directed that, so we worked with him on that. And then, um, and then we did that, we produced that movie at Paramount, so then... When Katy Perry came up, they called us to do to right. direct that. And you guys co-directed Katy Perry. Yeah. And was that the first? Did you guys direct Hair, uh, Air, uh, Air Guitar? Uh, no, no, James. So which, did. which was the first director? Katy Perry. That was Katy Perry. Mm-hmm. Well, that was yeah. We had also we had directed a um, a, a documentary for the Food Network um, uh, about um, about the hunger crisis. Mm. So that was the first thing that we actually had a director credit on, I think, and then. Um, and we were going to produce Katy Perry, but literally we just couldn't find a director for it. So eventually they asked us to do it. And first they said, can one of you direct it and one of you be the producer? And we yeah. looked at each other and went, no, no, we're a team. And it was actually hard to get, like it was touch and go whether the DGA would let us, you know, oh, yeah. kind of be qualified as yeah. a team. Oh, sure. But, um, but we did. Katy Perry, pardon me, uh, Brave Enough on violinist Lindsey Sterling, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, Soul to Soul, and Under the Electric Sky documentary as well. Really incredible run of feature docs between you guys. True crime as well, another genre that you guys have tackled. Uh, Cold Justice premieres September 3rd, uh, 2013 on TNT. Uh, 79 episodes, I believe, have been made. Dick Wolf was your partner on this. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about how this idea came together. Who called who? Um, Dick Wolf, they called us, and he had... He had um, discovered Kelly Siegler, who okay. was the prosecutor undefeated in, in Texas, in the Houston area. Um, and he said she's, you know, amazing and a star, and can you guys figure out a show with her? And we met with her, um, <clears throat> and she, yeah, she's, she was. And it was, um, and also we always like it when people set, will set what used to say, well, that's not a magical elf show. They, they, that's not what they do, and so that immediately makes us want to do it. Yep. You know, so that's what happened with true crime. So, um, uh, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was amazing. It was it, it, that that show is. Um, you know, it's life changing for people. You know, it's like finding, uh, you know, some kind of justice. It's um, incredible. I mean, I was doing my research as of 2018, and these are old. These are old numbers, but. This show has been responsible for 35 arrests, 18 convictions, four confessions, three guilty pleas, and three murder convictions. And I've had the opportunity to work on true crime, work on a cold case show. I've found it to be the most rewarding experience that I can be a part of as a producer. I mean, can you just expand on that a little bit? Just what you've heard back from families throughout the many seasons and many cases that the show has, has tackled? Yeah. 
Um, no, I mean, I think, you know, we, when we would go into the towns, we would also talk, the families were involved. So, yeah. um, and so we would meet with the families and, um, you know, so, I mean, we could see, you know, it, I mean, it, it was very hard. It's really like heart wrenching when you can't, you know, get, you know, you can never get, Kelly says you never get closure. You can just get justice. Right. Um, and so, uh, so, you know, it, when we couldn't get it, that was like really heartbreaking, but obviously so incredibly, I mean, there's no, there's no positive, obviously, out of, a, you know, someone being murdered, but at least seeing the families, you know, the, that struggle and, and just the fact that people were paying attention to them because yeah, that, he, I mean, and that family that crave answers. And, exactly. And just feeling like somebody cared yeah. and, you know, sort of the on, honoring the person that they'd lost. Um, so it was, it was, and it was really, it is an incredible, it's an incredibly rewarding experience to, to work on that show. And thank God for Oxygen rebranding to yes. the True Crime Network. Yeah. Because after TNT kind of changes mandates, yeah. you guys are able to slide right in and uh, really become a fixture of the Oxygen programming slate as they did that rebrand. Was that yeah. one of the first shows that they mm -hmm. brought in under the rebrand? Yeah, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes a cornerstone piece of programming for them. February 3rd, 2014. Big date. Magical Elves acquired by UK studio Tenopolis. Uh, that's 13 years of partnership since you guys came together. And a major studio acquires you guys. Uh, the financial details were, were never uh, released. Uh, how did you guys celebrate after 13 years of partnership? That's a big moment. Were you guys able to celebrate? You guys were so busy. <laughs> you know, you were two something hundred episodes into Top Chef at that point, other things going on. Were you able to take in the moment when that happened? Yeah, I know. I was saying, well, it was Super Bowl. We were negotiating all weekend, and it was Super Bowl Sunday when it closed. Really? So, yeah, so the day, yeah, so. Yeah, just the final things. Yeah, the final, yeah. I, I, just, I remember my son was getting his hair cut, and I was literally standing yes. in the barbershop <laughs> on the phone as we closed, the, you know, kind of basically shook hands, as you know, figuratively yeah. speaking, on the deal. And... Um, so the whole thing felt very mundane in a weird way. We'd been living with this <clears throat> negotiation for a long time, and then right. suddenly it was over, and then it was sort of time to get to work. <laughs> right. Um, mm. But, yeah, we talked about, we had grandiose ideas, let's go to the Caribbean or something, and, you know, like, <laughs> let's go crazy, um, and nothing like that ever happened. We never got it together. No. <laughs> we still not celebrate. That's such a parent uh, response to something, you know, it's like, yeah, we'll no. do it big, and we're <laughs> yeah. in bed by 9 o'clock. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Uh, and you guys do come out uh, after that sale, and you guys come out with another giant pop culture hitting uh, work, which is Nailed It. Uh, can we get applause for Nailed It? I freaking love this show. <laughs> I, feel like Nailed it, I feel like Nailed It is like the best combination of concept and show title like that, that there is. Uh, tell me about, was this an internally developed idea mm -hmm. that you walked into Netflix? Yeah. Talk about how the idea first came about. Um, well, we... Um we were, you know, we had been talking to Netflix, and they said that they were they wanted to um, they wanted sort of a a um, short, you know, like easy kind of cooking competition to uh, go, baking in the baking world. Baking, okay. Um, and so um, one um, one of the, two of the guys that worked for us, um, you know, they brought in the photos 
Yeah. Um, just from, you know, um, Instagram and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. The, the hedgehog cake. Yeah, the hedgehog cake, yeah. With the false teeth in it and all that stuff. And we were just, we just we found just, it hysterically funny. I mean, we were We didn't just, really know if there was a show there. No, <laughs> but uh, we were all very amused by it in our development meeting. We were laughing and, um, and then actually that's basically what we brought over to Netflix. And I mean, it just, it was great timing. Brandon had just started and I mean, they basically bought it in the room straight to series. Straight to series. Straight to series. With Sugar uh, Rush. Also, the same sugar, meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Was it the same meeting? Yeah. Same meeting. Wait, I didn't know that. So they greenlit yeah. both mm-hmm. at the same period of time? Mm-hmm. I just assumed, like, Nailed It had worked, and they're like, hey, guys, let's, let's do something Yeah, else. all the script shows had just gone, you know, they just lost all the Food Network stuff, and they had oh. a lot of people who were watching baking shows. Netflix had just lost. Yeah. Yeah, shows. And, okay. and so, they, yeah, Netflix needed to replace a lot of food programming. And, and I just think that Brandon, he just had this sort of look in his eye when he was just laughing at the stuff that we showed, the Nailed It stuff that we showed. He just had this sort of look in his eye, just like, why not? Yeah. Why not? Let's just do it. Um, had you ever gotten an easier yes? Do you remember that being one of the best? I mean, it, was, no. it was pretty amazing. That was, I mean, yeah, two, that was, believe two series in a room. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Yes. That was, that, we were <laughs> that, like, wow, it is a whole new world. Never happened else. before or yeah. since. Yeah. Only yeah. yeah. I mean, I, honestly, the, I'm totally opposite mood-wise from Nailed It. The other moment was when we were working on The Real L Word for Showtime, mm-hmm. and um, we were standing in the hallway at, with David Nevins, and we actually pitched him a show on death uh, called Time of... It was called, ultimately called Time of Death, but it was documenting people's final days. And we were literally standing in the hallway, and I think Dan mentioned it to him, and he said, okay, go cast yeah, it. Yeah, sort of sputtered out, kind of half-baked yeah. pitch. Wait, hold on a second. Wait, so you're, you're in, a, in the lobby or the lounge Literally standing in the doorway, having just had a meeting about... Something else. <clears throat> about yeah. something else. And we just said, what do you think about this? And David Nevins is that kind of guy where he'll, yeah. he'll just sort of like something catches his sort of takes his fancy and he'll just go with it. But it, and, and it, the working title for it was Dying to See You yeah. as well because it was about families coming back together in the event of someone dying. Um, but we didn't know whether we'd be able to cast. That was the big question, like, can mm-hmm. you cast it? And David said, why don't we just put some money into casting, see what you can get? And we found uh, a few kind of amazing stories and we were off is that is that one of the, i was going to ask you guys like is there because sh- we know like all the greatest hits and everything there's so many uh shows that have, have broken through is that one of the shows that you guys are most proud of that maybe people aren't as yeah. aware of as oh, others yeah 100 yeah, percent. i think aside from cold justice that was definitely one of the most but you know meaningful uh shows we've ever produced and um <clears throat> it was really difficult, you know. Yeah. You definitely, I mean, watching those cuts was super intense. I mean, but I mean, um, yeah. afterwards, I mean, the the response is just like the way that it helped people cope. You know, they didn't feel, you know, we had tons of people saying, "I don't, you know, feel so alone in this process." I mean, it's it's an American problem, you know, that people that we don't talk about it, and um, so it was, you know, we worked with all these hospices. Anyway, it was, it was like, it was incredible, and it, and it was an incredible experience. Five years after the Tenopolis deal, you two announced Alfred Street Industries is forming. Uh, exciting times for you guys. Uh, and when you guys decided to go off and start the new venture, backers, no backers, all on your own? Yeah, we, um, we just decided to yeah. bootstrap it yeah. ourselves, yeah. We felt... Um, <clears throat> we felt pretty, well, I won't say confident because we weren't really, um, <laughs> but again, but, Dan, this is a running theme, but yeah, you're a hall no, of famer now, man. Yeah, no, I, I know, but it also, I know it's just, you have a kind of an identity, like you said, yeah. it's, you know, 
people always referred to us as the elves. You know, the elves mm. are on the phone. So to not be that anymore. Mm. And um, yeah, it was, and it, but it was it was an exciting. It was a, if it felt like it feels like an exciting time in our industry, right? It feels like a moment where a bit like you were talking about how we were. You know, our timing was perfect. Sort of two times round when we started Magical Elves unscripted television was just kind of um, exploding. And now it feels again like there's so much opportunity again. Um, so yeah, we decided we didn't, we, we looked at the possibility of different, you know, different models and maybe someone backing us, but ultimately we decided to just go it alone. And Alfred Street Industries, again, that is going back to the house, right? And yeah. the street where it all started. Yes. Uh, new shows coming out already. Uh, you guys had a premiere, I believe, recently for Brain Games, correct? The new Brain yeah. Games on Nat Geo, mm -hmm. which did great. Keegan-Michael <clears throat> Key. Was it, uh, who called who on this? Was this Nat Geo saying, we want to bring it back? Nat Geo called us. Okay. Uh, it, was in, it was a pretty long gestation period, actually. It was originally, the idea was to try and relaunch, um, relaunch Brain Games as a live show. And, oh, wow. Yeah, it was going to be live on Labor Day for two hours or something like that. We developed it. They liked the direction that we took it in, but ultimately they decided it was a better vehicle as a sort of as a weekly show. Although I guess they're doing two a week, stacking them at the moment. But yeah, so we we kind of redeveloped it, and then as we were transitioning out of Magical Elves, um, it, it was sort of agreed that we would stay involved right. in the production. So we it, you know we we do it with Magical Elves. And you're and you're working with Magical Elves still on runway, correct? On this season. Yeah, yeah. on this past on this season, season we, yeah, we did that. That's right. And then Chrissy's Court. Yes. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about this for a second? Sure. Yeah. Chrissy's Court, hosted by Chrissy Teigen. Yes. This is going to be for Quibi. Yes. I mean, a legal background for Chrissy that we weren't aware of? <laughs> Not at all. Who, who, thought, who thought to put her in Chrissy this did. I think Chrissy she did. Thought, she, her? Yeah. she did watch Judge Judy say, I could totally do that. <laughs> and I think that's what, I, right? Yeah, I think so. And I turns think she, out she can. Yeah, she can. She's very good. And her mother's the bailiff. It's yeah. amazing. Is she really? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah it's, uh, I mean, that was, aside from Nailed It, I don't think I've laughed as hard <laughs> during a production as we did during that. I mean, it's just, it was so funny. And, um, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it was just a kind of a crazy first thing to, you know, produce out of the gate, but. <laughs> what was the first meeting on this? Uh, they called us. Quibi, yeah, I oh. guess. Um... Oh, we went to Chrissy's house and she was like serving wine and cheese <laughs> and uh, prosciutto in the middle of the day. So like 11 in the morning. Yeah, 11. <laughs> it's like amazing. Uh, yes, yes, I will have a glass of rosé. Thank you. <laughs> And did you, so you knew coming into the meeting with Chrissy, you already kind of knew what the concept was that was being discussed? Yes. Yeah. So when you were first told that Chrissy Teigen wants to be a judge and do a judge format, what was your reaction? That sounds like a perfect show for Quibi. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it actually felt like, yeah, that could totally work. I yeah. Mean, you know, we, we were fans of Chrissy's um, anyway. And yeah, it just sort of felt like that is an insane idea and it just might work. And it, what yeah. what are, types of cases are we going to, deal with in this in the show some hard-hitting stuff a lounge singer yeah. who got his speaker knocked over and the sort of dispute whether he knocked it over himself or whether some uh young man knocked it over for who him. was waiting for takeout yeah and and then um john legend came in as a sort of uh uh a, a expert sort of witness, spe expert mm -hmm. witness yes. in yeah. that in that episode yeah and then, I don't know, there's sort of arguments over um, cars that are borrowed without permission and things like that. You know, it's the are usual. They, 
usual are, stuff. Are they are the people that come on actually signing they, to yes. abide yes. by whatever yes. settlements Chrissy yes. actually makes? Yes, yeah. those, the, her decisions are binding. And they're not allowed to go back to or court mom's afterwards. Come get you, they can't right? appeal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's unbelievable. I can't wait. When did and Quibi come? I launches think the, in April. April, right? Mm -hmm. The platform launches in April, and yeah. it's going to be one of the first ones out. Yeah. You guys have already filmed the the entire first season. Yeah. Yeah. And it's oh, edited. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait. Uh, yeah. All right. So I want to play a little game with you guys. I want to do a lightning round. Okay. Um, and uh, I want to start with you, Dan. Mm -hmm. If you weren't working in entertainment, you'd be doing blank. Oh, man. I never thought about that. Let me think for a second. Um, I think maybe I'd be trying to do something in music. I don't know. Maybe something like that. Jane, would, would you still be managing bands <laughs> on the Jersey Shore? Yeah, I hope not. I hope that would, uh, um, what would I be doing? Um, I don't know. I, I, I may be producing uh, party events. It's very event, similar. Event planner. <laughs> it's <an> event planner. <laughs> yes. Many skills carry And maybe over. something more meaningful. Uh, show out there uh, that you wish was yours. Mm. Oh, that's hard. I never have a good answer to that I one. know, me neither. Um. Hmm. I literally, my mind has gone completely blank. I know, blank. mine is Dan. Um, I, always say, I always say I wish I had America's Got Talent. I think that's, I, mm. I just, I just, I just yeah, love Yeah, you wouldn't be too distressed if you had America's Got Talent. That would be, yeah. Game of Thrones? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about that one? Game of Thrones, definitely. Stranger Things. There's a lot of good answers. Yeah. All right. For the next series of questions, you can only answer by saying either Dan or Jane. Okay. Okay? I want to give you, and I want you guys to answer in unison. Okay, you ready? Who's an easier audience when it comes to hearing new ideas? Jane. Really? Yeah. Even though she was a tough meeting, your first, your first time meeting. Yeah. yeah. I'm much more open-minded. You're more what? More open-minded. Ah, <laughs> I don't really like doing a lot more work than I'm already doing. So. <laughs> Dan or Jane, who's more likely to lose it on a network exec? Mm. <laughs> That's me. Jane. Honestly, that was we, nice we that you, that was nice that you thought nice about it. I know. You made an effort. <laughs> Dan or Jane, more likely to be late to a pitch meeting? That's Jane. Aaron laughing very loudly, <laughs> who is in charge of getting us to the meetings. Equal? <laughs> it's, it's, I think me these days, but maybe Dan yeah. beforehand. I, I got a severe telling off from Jane one time for being late for meetings, and so I kind of... <laughs> cleaned up my act, and now she's the one who's late for meetings, and I have yet to give her a kind of dressing down about it. Well, this will be it. This is the, let this serve as the one. dressing down. Uh, Dan or Jane, who should I be asking for restaurant recommendations? Hmm. Probably, probably Dan. Yeah? Are you yeah, more maybe. foodie? I mean, we're both foodies, Sweet. but I think I, he's, he's definitely, he worked more on Chef than I did, so that's probably... You're more on the scene? Yeah, I guess to, so. Yeah. Uh, okay, question... Jane, after 19 years of partnership, uh -oh. <laughs> do you think we can start referring to you guys as Jane and Dan now? Yes. I I think that this alphabetical thing is for the birds. And I think it should be who's it more. It should be on merit. Yeah, right. exactly. It's about time. <laughs>
It should be whoever shows up first in the meeting, really. Well, well, there you go. Oh, well, now I really will be there first, <laughs> I guess. Like, guys, thank you for doing this. Congratulations, uh, congratulations on the Hall of Fame. And thank you guys for joining us. Mm. That's thank our time. you. Thank you, Jim.